Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. I feel welcome, Renee. Thank you. Yes. Um, good to be back in the ring room. It's here. good to be back in the ring room. I feel more comfortable in the ring room. Yeah. These safe houses lately, I don't feel so comfortable in. Yeah, well, because they're different every time. So, you right, know, it's, yeah. It's, you, you don't really feel like you have your, your, uh, your territory marked out. You feel like right. you're going I, into someone yeah. else's space. Exactly. Um, but uh, it's great to be back here in the famous ring room yes. in the city that I hate so much. Well, I don't but, know why you, you know, say that. But, Everyone uh, else loves New Orleans. <laughs> this city's got so many problems. Oh well, yeah, man. of course it has problems. You know, you know, like like anything. But yeah. uh, the, the the interesting thing is, in spite of all the problems, it's still so lovable. Or sure, you, yes, that's what you say. <laughs> okay. You know, I woke up this morning with this aching pain on on my side. Yeah, really. Yeah, and it was my wife. <laughs> yeah. So um, I looked at her and I just said, "Do me a favor." Kill me. <laughs> Just kill me right now. <laughs> and the day, that's how the day started for me. Okay. Today. So it was all uphill or yeah. downhill from well, there? Well, no. Then I realized, you know, I'm driving mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm not from here, but New Orleans are the, some of the worst drivers I've ever seen in my yes. life. Yes. Worst drivers, worst streets. Yeah. The worst it's streets. Deadly combinations. Yeah. But today was something that I find that happens way too much. You know, people don't use their signal. I get it and stuff like that. Have you ever gone, dri- driven around the city, and there are people who don't have to stop, but they stop anyway? <laughs> yes, yes, they're a menace. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> why are you stopping? Yeah. Don't stop. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping for you because you have the right-of-way, idiot. Right. You know? No, those people cause accidents. Yeah, because exactly. Accidents happen when, when there's uncertainty a lot of times, when right. people are confused about what they're supposed to do. And those kind of people that try to give the right of way when, when it's not theirs to give, that, you know, they need, right. to, they need like, to maintain, yes. Are you trying to win a, a, a politeness contest? or right. something, you know, Yeah, like fuck the, those people. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I'm waiting for you to go, and he stops, and he's on his phone, and he just kind of waves me over. It's just like... So I, I go over and I, I look at him going, uh, <laughs> putting you know, your hands up in the air, yeah, like, like, shrugging you know, your, sh- your yeah, shoulders. Yeah, it's like, okay, idiot, I'll go and you'll probably kill someone down the road. Well, well so, so what happens is, is if you go ahead and go and right. then they go at the same time and hit you, you're in the wrong. Right, exactly. So, and, so or is someone this a scam that people are trying to do? No, I think it's just uh, it's virtue signaling. It's, you know, people are trying to demonstrate that they're their level of kindness and it's their 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 numbskulls See, because kindness should never be on the road rage should be on the road <laughs> okay. okay that's the only thing that should be on the road <laughs> maybe somewhere in the middle yeah you know <laughs> kind of maintain a neutral yeah. stance well okay I, I, you know i grew up in this you know driving in the streets of los angeles right now they have some aggressive drivers there you have some very aggressive drivers there and, and but it's all good because people get to where they want to go yeah even though it's like Everywhere takes 45 minutes to go. Yes, it's tough. It's tough. You know, just going to the corner grocery store takes 45 minutes to go, or going from Hollywood to downtown takes 45 minutes to go. Right. There's no difference. Yeah. So you have to, um, you have to be aggressive. Yeah. You really do. And it was funny because people say, oh, no, no, don't be aggressive. But in high school, I took the driver's training program and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
And my instructor kept going, what are you doing? Pass this guy. Pass him. It's <laughs> you know? like, okay, boom. <laughs> Pass him. So like, step on it, baby. Yeah, step on it. You know? He's dead now, that guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was um, his name? Uh, I don't know. Mr. Mr. Lewis, I think was okay. his name. Yeah. Okay, good guy. Yeah, he seemed like a nice Let you stop guy. And get had beer. a lot of road rage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from the best. Yeah. Let you stop and get beer on the way back. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> with my fake ID. Right, right, like right, that. right, right, right. Yeah. All right, so what's been going on with you? Well, uh, what has been going on? So, you know, I was talking uh, last week about uh, how we were having a bit of uh, troubled worlds colliding out there in the, uh, in the troubled sphere. And I was places where I'm seeing more and more uh, troubled men podcast alumni at the same place. They're oh. all they're all commingling now. We're, oh. we're crossing paths. So it's, it's like a union. It's very interesting. Well, it's it's you know it's a uh, s- somewhat self-selecting or you know it's selected curated uh, group. But I'm, I'm I was at a Michael Serverus gig who of course was on the on the podcast, and I'm looking out and we're on stage looking out into the audience, and I'm realizing there's five Troubled Men podcast guests uh. in the room. <laughs> it was Gina Phillips, there was Randy Mack, there was uh, Michael Servers, there was Michael Dees, the painter. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned it to, to Michael from stage, and he goes, oh, wow, really? And he made a little announcement. It was oh, this, God. This lovely, <laughs> lovely moment there. We got a, got a, a hand, round of applause for the Trouble Men podcast there oh, well, in, in Bufas, you know. Well, that's so, good. Yeah, know. Michael's a good guy. He's uh, still, still out there, uh, you know, pushing us. And, yeah. uh, and I, I had another uh, Trouble Men podcast uh, sighting or guest sighting, uh-huh. and that was uh, one of your favorites, uh, Jose Torres Tama. Oh, <laughs> and, and uh, so the first one yeah. was uh, guy my, loves me. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's well, he's a fan of the podcast, um, and, and Manny, especially Manny. And uh, so, so we had uh, my son went to this uh, demonstration against ICE. You know, yeah. the immigration. Uh, ICE is a good mixer, though, don't you think? I, I, I love it. <laughs> it's one of I, the best mixers it, ever. It, it, it is really good, um, especially in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're knocking at your door. That's right, bad. Yeah. That's bad. But uh, so, so, yes, there was a demonstration at the, uh, the ICE uh, offices oh, down there. Oh, good for your kid. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was down there and he said, uh, who was there but. Jose Torres Tama in the exact, uh, you know, his, his costume, his, his, well, his uniform, yeah, his, yeah, his that, uniform he, yeah. that he wears, that he wore on the podcast. Right. And, you know, check it out, people. Check, check the Facebook page. If you want to roll back, uh, you know, I don't know, 20 episodes or so, you'll, <laughs> you'll see Jose Torres Tama. It's a, it's a great one. It's, it's a fan favorite podcast, by the way. <laughs> it really is. No, it's notorious. Um, I don't read the numbers. Yeah, you know. yeah. You know, but, but I, I believe you. I, I just hear the, uh, the the word of mouth, you know, oh, fe- okay. feedback that people come up and, they, and they, they talk about, you know, my favorite episode is that one. A lot of more than one person has said that. Oh, I may, yeah, have, yeah. may have to listen to it. Then, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, it's a lot of big, big concepts discussed there. It's a it's a it's a big idea show oh, okay. among little people. No. Uh, so then the other one was uh, a, f- a few days later, just on the same weekend. Uh, Jose was at an art show mm-hmm. that another person in my family w- was at, and apparently he was observed um, kind of getting in a, a, an artist's face a, uh. about about uh, c- uh, confronting them about their their cultural 
mm. bona fides to uh, to be uh, engaging in a certain form. You know, like what what gives you license to do this as a oh, white man. girl? This guy. <laughs> And I was like, wow, man, <laughs> he's really going in hard, hard in the paint here. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Shout out to Jose yeah, Torres yeah. Tom. We love you, Jose. Uh, yeah. You know, you got to got to do you, man. Yeah. Got to be yourself. Keep working it, yeah, Jose. Keep, keep, yeah, yeah. Keep up the good work, man. It's, in the meantime, you know, uh, I'll take two tacos and a side of rice. No, no. It's no. Taco Truck Theater. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You, that, you, right, that was a problem with the podcast. Right. You, you couldn't keep that straight, man. Right, you, I, you I know. Kept hearing taco truck, and you thought you were yeah. zoned well, out after got, that. Well, he he never got. I, he, he never got that I was kidding about. It's a taco truck, but where do you go to the bathroom? Right. <laughs> You're souvering food and stuff like that. He still never got that. Right, right, right. He probably, to the, to the day he died, he's never going to get that. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of the hilarity of that podcast, right, you know, because yeah. everybody else can see what's going on, but yeah. not everybody can not see everybody. what's going on. So anyway, uh, uh, you know, we're done uh, <laughs> uh, strolling down memory lane with our previous guest because we have a terrific guest, uh, another guy that I had on the list right up top, right up top of the list when I first ever had had a list uh, you know he's uh these these high these uh a lot of these people are elusive and uh he's he's been elusive if nothing else so uh, <laughs> he's been very silent so far but uh, I, I have a feeling all that's going to just about to change so he's a, a record producer he's a, a label owner he's founder of orleans records oh. uh he's the, and still the president of that and he's a, also a songwriter and 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 a recording artist and actually just has a brand new record out uh, just recently. Um, and we'll go into all the, the artists and the, and the work that he's done w with him. So without further ado, Mr. Carlo Ditto. Welcome, Carlo. Well, Renee, I've been waiting. You know, it's a, it's a time for everything. Yes. A season for everything. And yes. this is our time. This is our time. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, that's it. In the ring room. Yes. 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 Fabulous ring room. What right. happened in the ring room here? Is this like the ring? No. So, so, so you know, they do have a boxing ring uh, oh, okay, in the yeah. building. But they call this the ring room. We're not going to say where we are. This, this is where is they just, fix the matches. Yes. Well, uh, probably. Pro <laughs> okay. You see, he's... Uh, I, I was... Uh, when, when yes. Jumping... Uh, yeah, no, I think that's 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 perfectly uh, that's the a, back room for the matches because there are a lot of shaky little uh, a lot of little shaky boxing matches out of New Oh, Orleans. I bet, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is a place where the old timers used to play uh, gin and bridge and mm -hmm. stuff and, and well, meet and. I, I came in this room many. I, I, I was a, my father was a member here and he would bring me yeah. to the. Uh, and we're gonna have to cut that out because we don't say where we are oh, except for okay. the ring room. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's <ring> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's okay. It's like uh, CIA kind of stuff. Well, we'd yeah. like to to maintain some mystique. You know, Very it's good. like like people yeah. say, uh, "Where is the ring room?" I say, "Well, if you wind up on the podcast, you'll find out." Right. Yeah, but New Orleans, what a boxing town! It is a boxing town. Now, was your was, now your father? I was thinking of your father today, who I actually knew before I knew you. Now he had kind of a boxer's build. Did he ever do any boxing? He was a big jock, a big Italian jock. Okay, a marine. Okay, uh, was he a, a, a Holy Cross graduate by no, any chance? Okay, he was a St. Paul's graduate. St. Paul's. Okay, across the lake. Exactly. Now, why. did you go to St. Paul's? Exactly. Exactly. When I wanted to grow my hair long and play, saw Jimi Hendrix. Uh huh. Two weeks after I was in boarding school, <laughs> St. Paul's. 1968, wow. in eighth grade. I was 12, going to be 13. So oh, Hendrix yeah. played down here. Hendrix played at City Park 
Wow. And my grandmother bought me from my aunt, her sister, who was the manager of D.H. Holmes' record department nice. on Canal Street. Every year we'd get a record. Like one year we'd get Magical Mystery Tour, and then next year Rubber Soul. Every, uh-huh. The Beatle records right. Keep that mic on your lips there. The Beatle records were popular. <laughs> yeah, we like that. Well, you don't have to yeah. mash it in, but just be touching. No, yeah, I'm going to yeah. work the mic. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I like that. The Beatle records, I should know this, because this, I'm talking about a recording, my first recording, and I'm holding the mic wrong. So I had this little Magnavox my grandmother bought me, probably for Christmas or some other reason. And it was a shoulder Magnavox with an on and off mic. Nice. And I had a, a shirt that I bought from uh, Gotcha's, the, okay. the, the, the mod store in Gotcha's, which was called probably The Equation. Or okay, like wow. That. Going had, way back. Had strobe lights, <laughs> had a, a Nehru sort of shirt on. Nice. Gotcha's, man, it was, was like on a... On Canal Street. It was a, it was a, a higher class uh, department store oh, than, okay. say, D.H. Holmes or Sears or something like that. Okay. You know? So you had to have a little bit of... I progressed from the, the regular child's department up to the equation store. Okay, that was like, you right. know, that, It was the first year. And there was a similar store at Rubenstein called Aquarius. And that was really freaky. Wow. You know? Rubenstein brought really freaky. some rarefied But at the here. equation, I got this uh, Nehru shirt and I had the tape recorder. And I went with Blaine Panapinto okay. from <laughs> the Dead End in Harvey where I grew up. On and the we, West Bank. On the West Bank. Yeah. Maybe his brother came too. It might have been three of us. And we had the tickets to see Hendrix at 12 and a half. And so nice. we went there and I was backstage and there was this... Already long, backstage. Well, not backstage. <laughs> not, backstage meant at City Park Stadium there was the locker room. That was back. That oh, was okay. the green room. All right. And there was a, a groupie, I mean a, a roadie sort of guard, long-haired guy was at the door, and I'm trying to get an interview with him with my microphone. Oh, nice. Uh. I'm there trying to work the door, you know, I'm thinking, is this Chess Chandler or not? He kind of looks like Chess Chandler. No, it couldn't be. So the door opens, and bam, Hendrix and the experience come out, and the crowd rushes. So I get pushed into Hendrix, so I have to hold on to him so I I don't don't fall down. And he has a little butterfly on his vest, and he had a silver strat he was holding. It was freaky. Like four seconds, I held on to Hendrix. Wow. And then, then it broke, and he went to the stage. Mitch Mitchell and, and uh, Noel Redding, Noel right Redding. there. Yeah, All right. three of them, they went by. The, the, soft machine, the soft machine opened. Okay. And then they came on. And then so I recorded the whole show with this tape recorder. And I had this brown, the first Magnavox tape that came with the tape recorder. Right. And then they had given me Access is Bold as Love, a pre-recorded tape. Uh-huh. And like a Leslie Gore tape I had, you know, cassette, pre-recorded Leslie. Right, and that's right. what I went to boarding school with. Okay. So I found my <laughs> first letter from boarding school. I have it. Oh, wow. And I'm re- opening up, dear mom and dad. And they would keep you there six weeks. Uh-huh. And all the kids were crying, the little guys that were Before you make could it. go home the Before first time. Before you go home the first time, you're right. 12. Well, they were like popping left and right. Who was crying? They'd come pick them up. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> and it was like showers. The brother would watch you in the showers. Everything. No, it was. And then if they caught you smoking cigarettes, they'd beat you after lights out. With yeah. People would scream in the middle of the night oh, for smoking. Now, yeah. ninth grade. No wonder why I have mass shootings. No, in ninth grade now, which was the next LaSalle Hall. Okay. 
they were smoking, had two to a room, and this was the shit to get there, you know? They yeah. could go to the dances. Deacon John was playing. Oh, nice. Eighth grade sucked. Right. Okay, you know what had I mean? to make it through eighth grade. If you could just make it, I saw the light at <laughs> <laughs> boarding school. So in my first letter home, and then I met this Latin guy, Al Castro, and he could play all the Jose Feliciano record. He had a gut string guitar, and I had a little Japanese thing I bought from... Uh, Bonvillian's music or somewhere. Nice. Bonvillian's music. Johnny no, no, Bonvillian. No, no. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have my guitar with me. No, because the letter says, Dear Mom, Dad, and my sister, of course, uh-huh. I'm just sitting here listening to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> now, that's either the tape I made or the Axis is Boulder's Love. So either right, one right. of those tapes. Right. Of course, I'm like, I had that tape for like all through high school and then, you know, ask me where Think, it is. Yeah. Yeah, let me go. Big disappointment. What year was the Hendrix gig? Sixty-eight. All right, wasn't that the same time? Wasn't he touring with the Monkees then too? Uh, I think that might have been earlier. A little earlier. A little earlier. Because that, that was the thing. It was like he was opening they for the Monkees. It, they took they took yeah. them off that show. That started because like then, up I guess east he got or something. So big, it was like yeah, yeah. you're going to headline. They now. worked. If you look at his dates, because then uh, uh, and then there was a a friend of mine. There's a couple of stories tied to Hendrix. That's 68. Now, in 66, my, my, uh, they, which I would have been 10 and a half that mm-hmm. summer, my mom and dad and my little sister, who was, I don't know, she would have been three or four. Right. We went to New York City for a vacation. Now, this was 66. 65 the year before we went to Dallas. That's another story. Okay. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is our second airplane vacation, 66. <laughs> So we went to uh, New York City Americana Hotel, and they took our maid with us. Who was her name was Fanny Hill, and she dressed up in this white like church outfit the whole time, wow. you know. And and she would watch us a little bit, but pretty much my dad took me on Broadway and oh nice and bought me patent leather shoes, and he brought me into the Metropole Cafe in '66 for lunchtime session. Oh, cool! And there was a rock band on stage. Now he didn't know it would be a rock band because Mm -hmm. I was reading and that's the first year that like rock bands play there before that it was trad jazz you would go to New York and you'd see Gene Krupa or Cozy Cole because Freddie Staley told me that you know all those cats in the 50s were at the Metropole but 66 okay Dino Dinelli is playing at the Metropole and you know all these like wannabe rock rock and rollers and they had this band playing the dogs or something and they were just like almost like the Rolling Stones kind of looking it was the first pretty much the might have been the first band I ever really saw yeah what'd you think about that I was like fuck fascinated oh yeah and the the guy with like hip huggers with a big buck belt buckle like dancing at the Uh bar and shit it was fucking wild it was fucking Times Square 1966 right 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 so later on that night still at the quarter booths then and I got an Orange Julius or something, you know. It was like, a, and then a, oh, you know, a Frankfurter yeah. and a Julius, Julius, and then, yeah. and then there were these uh, automats, and I was like, what the, f-? the automats were like big, then they were huge, yeah. And I would get like the whole trip. I ate Frankfurter and beans. Like this was like a new thing. I had never seen Frankfurter and beans <laughs> before ever in my life, yeah. you know. And I went to, and we, we on this trip, we went to Cape Cod and Boston and up to Maine, and we drove around, but. One night, we stayed at the Americana Hotel, and Cassius Clay was in the hotel. Wow. 
Donnie wouldn't even Muhammad Ali, and he sure. was signing autographs. So that night, my mom and dad got dressed up in their sort of like mod wise guy outfits, you know, sort of like they were like loud colors, right? But, but like, a lot of, and they wanted to go to the French mod disco down the street, the Cheetah. Okay. The Cheetah was on Broadway, close to the Americana, not too far. So I'm reading the Crosstown Traffic book, and that's the summer that Hendrix w- was with the, uh, Curtis Knight, who was the cab driver pimp, and they had the, like the Caribbean R&B band that Linda Keith, that used to live here with uh, the producer from uh, it was the bass player for for uh, Roxy Music that was the producer here. Um. Uh. Yes. Now his wife, John Porter. Yeah, Linda Keith was. But, was going out with Keith Richards at the time. Okay. And so she went to the Cheetah and saw Hendrix in this band with the big sleeves, Caribbean. He was right. just, he had never been to the village yet. He, right. he was still in Harlem right. playing with the pimp sort of soul band, you know? Uh-huh. And he was still on the circuit, the black circuit. So right. she said, man. And she was a blues enthusiast. And she, they, were, they were kind of scoping the Stones were coming back for their second tour. Mm hmm. So she says, man, you got to go to the village. That's where Dylan's at. That's where, you know, right. everybody's at. So they went and took some acid and listened to Blonde on Blonde that night. And she started hanging or something. And when the Stones came to town, anyway, he went to the village. And he went to the Cafe Wa and he auditioned for the Monday Night Jam and he got it. So he brings uh, Skunk Baxter because uh, from Manny's, who's working at Manny's uh, on, music on, store, music store. Street. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he gets in to play bass, and there's a little runaway guy from California. Okay, Randy, 15 year old. He gets him, uh, and, and he names him Randy California, who later starts Spirit. He's the other guitar player. Okay, and they do the open mic jam down in the village, and so the people start standing in line. So Linda Keith brings the Stones by. And they all go, what is going on? She's, she's crazy. She's with this black guy. He's a dope fiend or something. I don't know. Of all people mm. accuse him, Keith Richards accuses right, yeah. uh, right, right, right. Linda Keith. I think there's a movie about some of this anyway. I think I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah, but let's go on. It, go on. So I haven't seen it. So they all hate him. And they don't want, they don't, you know, uh, huh. Oldman, all the manager, Ugo Oldman, and the only one likes him is Brian Jones. He kind of okay. takes a liking to him a little bit because he's authentic. But anyway, they leave. But she later takes Chaz uh, Chandler, right. the bass player from the Animals, who wanted to get out of the Animals because the manager was like torturing him and working him to death. He wanted to be a, a, promo- a producer. Right. So they... He figures he digs him, and everybody was hot on Hey Joe. That's, that's how he found him. That's how, that's how Chaz we'll, Chandler found and him. And he said, and he, he said, I'll come to England, and with 200 bucks, and the, got his passport together, gave him a couple of hundred bucks. Right. Promised he'd jam with Eric Clapton when he got to, uh, he'd meet Eric Clapton. Okay. He gets on and leaves that summer of 66. Nice, and goes nice. there, and in three days. Just dominates. In three days, he gets on stage with Cream. Yeah. And it's Townstead, right, Jimmy right. Page, they're yeah. all in the audience, and he just eats the guitar, plays it between his legs. Right, and, right. 
and they all go, what the fuck right, now we're right. going to do? Right, right, So right. let's back up yeah. just a bit. I want to ask you, your grandmother gave you this recorder, this recorder with a mic. Yeah. Now, was your intent to just like bootleg shows or did you no. want to interview artists? I, was, I guess I was. I mean, it, were you interested I, in like the... I can't of even you're think my mindset, but I just... Because who's, who's the guy who was a 12-year-old who wrote for Rolling Stone and made oh, all yeah, those yeah, movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's his name? He's a writer. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe, Crow, right. yeah, exactly. It was, was it? in that sort of bag, you know. I was... You were just an enthusiast. I was just yeah, an yeah. enthusiast. Uh, well, you know, Carlo, I want to I want to get off of the the these other stories about other people and talk about stories about you because okay. <laughs> that's the focus. Because you're here. exciting to Renee. Yes, he, yes, he, yes. You excite him. Well, well, uh, several things uh, that, that strike me. So, you know, Carlo is a is a a record man. He's a record guy. You know, he 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 produces records and he's a record guy in in the the old school mold. You know, Carlo will call you up on the phone and go, Renee, what's going on? And he's just, he's thinking out loud with you and he'll go, I got this guy. His name is Ironing Board Sam. Ironing Board Sam. He's just, th- he's saying it out loud and he's like, he's, you're mulling over, you're getting my reaction. Ironing Board is still living. I know, know, I know. I saw him at Jazz Fest. You saw him this year? I saw him this year. He look, played? He, look, here's what, I, he, he was, so Lil Buck Senegal has his set. I mean, he's, he's the, the leader. It's, he's listed. So I go to see him. Is he in good shape? He's in great shape. You know, he, no, no, wait, wait. Let me tell you. No, uh, Lil Buck Senegal is in great shape. He's playing his set. Halfway through, he invites Ironboard Sam to come out. Ironboard Sam is not in great shape. I'm, I'm, I, you know, he must have had a stroke sometime you know, in, in the recent past. He's only playing piano with one hand, but oh. he comes up and he sings, and he does a bunch of numbers. He's dressed nice. He has a hard time walking. They might have to put him in a wheel. I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I can't exactly remember. It's, it definitely has a hard time walking. But I'm looking at him going, Wow, honor board Sam doesn't look, you know, like he's in great shape. You know, this is not have a lot of time left. But so, uh, turns out Lil Buck Senegal is the guy who passes away six weeks later. And Damn. He, he looked the picture of health there, and he had a great set. So you never know. You never know. But but just the fact that that you will like look at an artist and be just think of their name. It's like how will the public can uh, take this? You know, how saleable is this name? You know, you're looking at it. I mean, you look at it musically, but you're you're looking at it in the way that guys looked at, at artists in the '50s. Yeah, I love the '50s, and I sort of just remember like small visions of it because I was born in '55, right? So I can remember the tail end, I guess, a little bit, mostly the '60s. I remember like the '60s from Kennedy assassination on it. Right. It was like you know, it's and, like and you grew up in New Orleans, and you had a, you have a great knowledge of the history of the rackets in New Orleans, and the the you know the record business, and 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 you know just the this kind of underworld, how who knew whom, and and how it worked. Well, at the time, I was probably didn't realize what was going on I, I you know i read that book i guess i understood i have to admit i was more of a t-rex kid when i was a, when i was a youngster that was my era you know? i love t-rex yeah. Yeah, yeah i was more of a a, a, a platform shoes kind of like sure kind of david not, not that i was a david bowie freak but definitely a stone kind of a you know like a white rock and rock kid yeah yeah and that what drew me to black music 
Well, I grew up on the West Bank, so there was that frat greaser thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like all the ways the greasers like the soul music. Yeah. And that, so if you were like a little frat, you would like Beatle music, you uh-huh. know? So, well, and then it all kind of merged, you know, where they couldn't be greasers anymore. They weren't going to get laid as greasers. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to become like, like Almond Brothers and shit okay. like that. You know what I mean? Like bikers <laughs> uh, turn uh, like yeah, uh, right? hippies, you know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right, right. It happened yeah, yeah. after Mod, like Mod, then sure. we had access to San Francisco. Yeah, no, yeah, we had yeah. San Francisco. After San Francisco and, you know, and the, even the, the angels started looking like hippies a right. little bit, you know, and then it kind of all merged. It, it, if you're from the West Bank, you, you could watch this kind of shit firsthand, you know, because it was very working class. And, like, of course, I got sent away from the West Bank as much as possible because they wanted to give me some sort of, I don't Insulate know, you from all that. Some sort of preppy culture of sorts, you know. Right. I, went, I got sent to the Italian preppy school. The, Is that uh, where all the Italians Spanish, go? Well, Ecole Classique. Oh, okay. It was like a Latino, anyone who, you know, wasn't totally... You know, totally preppy white. You know, it was like uh-huh. a middle ground of okay. private school. You so know, they had some would, oil on them. They had some oil in them. Yeah, yeah, they had a little oil, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, could be a Jew or a, you, right, know, right, uh, right. you know, anything <laughs> dark. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. close to the Mediterranean. Right. <laughs> Span- Cubans went there with a little money. Italians, mm-hmm. with a up and coming Italians. Sure. You know, Mr. Federico was uh, Frank Federico's brother. Okay. From Louis Prima's band, right. who was a guitar player, and and uh, and the other headmaster was uh, Mr. Her- Al Hurt's brother. Oh, okay. So I was in the class with Stephen Hurt, and all the Hurt kids were at a Cold Classique. Oh, so that was like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. So we'd have I, I would uh, I kind of grew up with the Al Hurt phenomenon. Yeah. Because he was a star right around sure. that time. And they know? lived on the lakefront. At and they that lived time? on the and I would go to parties at their house. That beautiful the, White House, exactly. Yes, yes. And Stephen was my age. He would stay at my house, and I would right be on. friends with him. And we had a bunch of us. We, you know. Well, your family had did a concrete. You guys, were, but at the were time, not- it was a small, smaller West Bank operation. Okay, we weren't on the East Bank. Okay, the Jankies who were the big East Bank operation. Okay, and then the Jankies sort of diversified out and then we didn't come on to the east bank till much later on maybe i don't even know if i was i was working there when we went on the east bank yeah but uh but so you so you 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 traveled in these circles though oh i i traveled in yeah the um the private school circles. The, the ethnic private school circles. The ethnic private school circles. Now, there was that bridge of like, you know, like some people could go to Valencia and some people couldn't. Like, yeah, you know what which saying? side of the... Definitely that, Italians weren't allowed you, in Valencia. Sicilians weren't allowed in Valencia. Now, some of my, my half-cousins uh, that <laughs> yeah, we didn't they, have Italian names, they could go. Yeah. <laughs> if they were girls, of course. Right, 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 right. They didn't want any... But I got caught making out with some girl at, at Valencia and got blacklisted. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Jay Rusevich would sign me in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he used to play in a band. He went to St. Paul's and he, he wore a wig because he played at a band on the weekends at Valencia. Oh, it, like it, a long hair wig? A long hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he'd, he'd wear short hair so he could have long hair oh, on wow. the weekend. Oh, this was very popular if you had hair rules. 
Really? Well, so with you, the rich you'd kids, pile your, your long hair up on the But the ultimate thing was wig? to get out of St. Paul's and go to McMaine or somewhere where you could you'd do whatever you want. You know, right. like in public school, I don't think they had hair rules uh-huh. back then. Like but, Vance, Vance DeGeneres was at McMaine, you know, and he, he, he had long hair. Oh, okay. So you remember Vance from, from back in those days? Well, yeah, that was like uh, Jay's friend Vance, and he had a band called Tricycle. Oh, okay. It was like a three-piece, like cream kind of hippie sort of, you know. Right on. Wow, man. Yeah. So Van, uh, so Rusevich only lasted, it was one year at St. Paul's. And yeah. They, and they Washed went up, out. I went up east somewhere to school, you oh, know. Okay. <laughs> he just, so, he, he's my friend on Facebook now. He just friended me. So, okay. You graduate some with a diploma or something in high school, or oh, well, I got or you sent. just got kicked out. Or, no, uh, no, that was a private uh, school. In eighth grade, my dad. After that, oh god, you know, this is only eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, before you I get on to the, eighth grade, let, let us uh, take a little break and <laughs> get right. another cocktail. Jeez, right. yeah, I, I you've had a long life, in, but it's only eighth grade <laughs> for the, uh, the duration here. So uh, right. hang on, nation, get a drink, and uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> and we're back. Back in the ring room, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. And back we're with better Mr. than ever. Better than ever. Back with Mr. Carlo Ditta. Um. Who, uh, and, and Carlo's going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, table the uh, middle school experience for a minute. We're going to jump right ahead to, uh, to when he decides that uh, he, he's not going to go into the family concrete business, but instead wants to make records. Okay, I'll tell you how that happened. Yes. Well... There's all kinds of things that led to that. I think, you know, I read that John Broven book. Don't know it. I must have read that book. What book is that? Uh, Concrete. No, no. (laughs) No, Concrete. I went to Concrete School once. The story. (laughs) In Maryland, University of Maryland. Really? I'm a certified concrete technician. Really? Okay. I know how to do uh, sieve analysis and all kinds of... uh, all kinds of... Because um, you were preparing for... Sloped, a, uh, slump tests. You're slump preparing tests. for the family business, right? Are you I was forced the, to prepare for I was going to be the heir apparent. Okay. okay, to concrete the concrete The first business. grandchild, namesake of the grandfather. Okay, so so you're not actually... You're named after your grandfather and not... Not, not my dad, not, my grandfather. Not, not the mafia kingfish. Right, all right. Okay. Yeah. You're not named well, after... my grandfather Carl was okay. really the, <laughs> the, 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 the man that really... Was a hell of a, a a guy, you know. He 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 probably knew more about all that. Yeah, my my my, my dad was more of a fifties guy. You right. Know? He was like a marine, a yeah. football player. He he was a Kennedy guy. He was yeah. he, he wasn't a, you know. In he believed 50- in it. He was a he was a new he was a new kind of. He was of the wise guy kind of. He wasn't a wise guy. He was more of a jock, but he right. knew all the wise guys. Sure. You know. He but he was a. Uh, he was a son of a prominent, you know, concrete right. guy. And the 50s was the baby boom and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah, everything. My grandfather was a hardworking guy. Now, was your, fa- was your grandfather an immigrant? Did- my, my grandfather was born 1910 in New Orleans. Okay. My great-grandfather was an immigrant. He came in 1908. Okay, from, from Sicily. 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 Right. What part of Sicily, you know? Alia Sicily. Okay, right on. Alia Sicily. And, uh, like, but a lot of people don't uh, from outside of New Orleans don't understand when people in New Orleans say Italian, we mean Sicilian. There are no real Italians, and I mean, well, there they are probably a few, have some from other few, places. But you it's, know. it's it's they the, came in different the, times right, later. But, but but the 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 vast majority of people in New Orleans that call themselves Italian are, are Sicilian. 
Pretty much. Yes. Sicilia okay. Annual. Okay. That being established, go on about your grandfather. Or, or so he uh, started hauling coal because he was one of 10 children. And then, okay. And, uh, and then he... What part of town did they live in? Do you on know? the west bank of the Mississippi River. Oh, still. Around Harvey. So, Harvey. So, so your family's been in Harvey for generations. Oh, yeah. Okay. Since, since then. Oh, wow. Didn't realize that. Okay. Crazy. Because, you know, I, I, I remember your father, like I was... Uh, Farmers. Let me, let, me, let me touch on this briefly. I knew your father when I was about 11 or 12 years old because my father would play, had a band that would play at uh, Timberlane Country Club which was your neighborhood country club, and y'all were members. Actually, I grew up in Harvey, and by the time they moved to Timberlane, I had already moved out of the house okay. into the evil French Quarter. Okay, all right, right on, right on. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I'll make my, my part brief. So I, I first saw your father when he, he would come to these, this, uh, some of these Timberlane dances, and he was a larger-than-life character. I, he was a bear of a man. He came from the Damon Runyon, like, Jackie Gleason school. Yes. Where he was definitely right out of the Jackie Gleason yes. book. Yes, yes. And you couldn't, he, his presence would not be denied. He either a, loved him or got away. He was a... He was a <laughs> that's he, me, that's me. Yes, he was very much like a man in Chevrolet. He was a good-time guy. Yeah. He, he had a big personality. Uh, he was big, 6'2", 275. Yes, well, yes. that's not me. Yes. Center yes. on the Marine football oh, team. Oh, wow. Posing guy and a big personality and, and a loud voice. I remember he... Jokes. Uh, yes. Dirty jokes. Yes, dirty in front, jokes. In front of old it. women. My, my, oh, yeah. my primary memory of your father, I can picture it like it was yesterday. He says uh, it's one of these things, and it was near the end. You know, there's been probably a three- or four-hour event there, dance. And uh, he, he says... And he knew my father because he made friends with him. And he said, let me sing my way. I want to sit in with the band. I want to sing my way. So my father goes, sure. You know, so your dad does my way. And he's singing it very dramatically. He's kind of ad-libbing some of the words. And he, uh, I was, again, like 11 or 12. And he goes, I took the blowjobs <laughs> and did it. But I fucking fell on the floor laughing. I was, he could be an original comedian. I was not but expecting that. Extra, I mean, sit on my way, yeah. Uh, you know, he could get x-rayed quick and, and get house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could get house. Right. He knew how to... Whatever performance skills I have, and I'm not saying I'm the greatest performer. It's been a struggle for me. Yeah. I'm a late bloomer. Okay. But... I got it from him. Yeah. Whatever whatever that was. Right. You know? I, mean, so anyway, I got a little bit from like, yep. other people, but right, him so big time. Let me ask you real quick. You went to school in Maryland to learn about concrete. You're a concrete master. Well, what, that, was what like a, that was a seminar I went once. Uh, uh, I, okay. I grew up in the concrete plant. At about eight or ten years old, old, they brought me to the concrete plant at three o'clock in the morning. Get up. It's time to go to work, you know. That's why you got out of that. Eight, three in the morning, you know, get up. And I would go and sleep for an hour or two more in the warehouse with like these bags on the mortar mix bags. Yeah. And then somebody would come and <laughs> say, up on the mortar I mix want bags. 30 bags of mortar mix and uh -huh. three so yards of sand. I'd have to go like load 30 bags and, and, and then go. That's how I grew up. Okay. And there was this helper. It was just a, a a rough, not a rough. A it was a beautiful place in a lot of ways because it was it was black and white people who mm -hmm. had worked there forever. Some with my my family, my grandfather, and it was a very earthy place in Gretna. With sand piles and and railroad cars. 
that would come by and bringing bringing the yeah, supplies bring stuff. And there were lots of musicians that, were, like Mr. Frank Panapinto, who mm-hmm. was a musician, and right. Blaine's dad, uh-huh. and he would play clarinet and had a band, would make a hustle on the weekend, right? Playing Fourth Street. Yeah, well, no, no, he would play socials like okay. weddings and okay. things. All right. But uh, who worked for Southern Pacific was Chuck Credo. Chuck Credo, yes, he did. Yes. And he would come in, he would talk to Frank Panapinto, okay. and they would talk. Chuck Credo is a, a, a notorious band leader. Okay. He was from the Louis Prima School of uh, Entertainment way after Louis. Right, know. right. But I think there's a Chuck Credo Jr. who's out there. He's into like Beatlemania and stuff. Okay, right, right. But anyway, so, but Chuck Credo, he was one of those he's like Val Barbera you know one of these these legendary New Orleans but band he would travel types. a lot and play jazz actually yeah. he did, he okay. did uh, Doc Severinsen he did oh, really? a lot of, okay. he did a All lot right. of stuff Chuck Credo okay well I don't want to I don't want to but in the later Chuck years Credo. yeah shout but he, out to Chuck Credo yeah he was fronted a lot of tacky stuff too you know but yeah, yeah. He, he played in the the big bands he worked yeah yeah he worked that's what Chuck I'm worked yes yeah he's a hustler yeah yeah and in the 60s and then my uncle who uh, he's still living. He's a little senile now, but uh, mm-hmm. he had a friend that played with Pete Fountain's band, and he would come around, okay. and he had this wild long hair. Mike Serpaz, the drummer, the trumpet oh, player. Trum- I know that name. Mike he Serpaz. inevitably died of a brain, a brain uh, cancer because oh, a lot of dr- trumpet players get. He played with Pete Fountain forever. A lot so of I'd trumpet go to, players get brain because <laughs> well, of the disease? pressure. You know, really. <laughs> You know, they get tumors. Some of them. Really? Uh, huh. No, no, no. kidding. Wow. Well, so, my kid's ending her lessons now. Yeah. <laughs> but she was going to quit anyway. Yeah, she so. was going to quit anyway, yeah. So. <laughs> She's like you, a quitter. I'm born just a quitter. quitter. <laughs> just a born quitter. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. So, but that was all in Gretna, in Gretna right. town. Before they moved to the new concrete plant, which is somewhere, I don't know, in well, Harvey. Let's, let's jump ahead to when when you go and become a record producer. So you go, you decide, you go to Nashville to learn uh, uh, well, I to, quit the concrete the plan studio. around the time John Lennon got killed. Okay. Yeah, so I remember that. It was that. a I dramatic was in, time I was in the family. In, I was just into college there. I was... Uh I think I well, I was a sales a, manager at the concrete plant. Okay. I had a good job. I was into cocaine then when John Lennon got 1980. killed. 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was into cocaine too then. Yeah. <laughs> but I was discoing. Not yeah. really. No, I wasn't discoing. That was my, 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 that my cocaine era was over. That was a little earlier. Okay. What happened was around that time, the punk rock thing started around 76 or 77, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And I started playing music again. Okay. Because... I played music up until my senior year, but I was in the uh, French Quarter at a New Year's Eve party, and I had taken a Quaalude or something, and uh, I was, remember Quaaludes? Man, Fuck yeah, man. man. I was numb, and I cut the tip of my finger off oh. making a sandwich. Oh, jeez. Oh, and bandaged it up, and then went out and almost got in three fights or something. That's, uh-huh. how, that's what the, that world was like. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. You know? The next morning, I was like, and then they grafted some skin and right so about two or three years i didn't play guitar at all you know from like but you still year took forward. well yeah, yeah all through that era <laughs> that era that's early from if you got them why not man? 70 from 70 the lemons man were the best oh yeah roras and lemons oh, the lemons were later or something yeah. they were like the last of the quaaludes i think the yeah. lemons and mandrax that was like somewhere the, uh, around european version somewhere uh, and then there were the domadinas from spain you know yes like yes mandrax. yes it's like all these different uh, I mean, that uh, was vintages. sort of like the era and then there were the horrors from tijuana that i remember uh, 
But anyway, go ahead. It's another story. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. So, so let's get into you being a record producer, because I have, have points we have to touch on. Well, here's the thing. I was playing guitar during this era, the punk rock era, at the Beat Exchange with Beat Barbara Exchange. Hoover. Barbara Barbara Hoover, as I That's like right. to call her. <laughs> My hero. She's out. She's on her own blog, dissing all her family. That oh, currently? Ran, oh, oh, yeah. It's, it, oh, it, I, I, yeah. I got to sign up for that. Oh, yeah. Man, she's got a blob, and no one skits off. She, she's giving it to everybody. Okay. Now, where is Barbara now? Is she in New Orleans? She's still? in somewhere. She's okay. in hiding right now. Okay. She's been after okay. this blog. Now, Manny, let me just, that reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> you just actually did a, a double take when, yeah. I, when I said Barbara your name. Hoover. Barbara, Barbara Hoover. Barbara oh. Hoover is uh, she's the the daughter of like a real estate uh, French. No, I'll give you the story. Okay, Barbara. all right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love Barbara. So Barbara, if I'm if you hear this, remember that I love you. Yes, Barbara yes. is like we're fans, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Deep Italiano. Mortadella, okay. more more I don't know. This, Mortadello. No, not the Mortadella. Motorola. Anyway, <laughs> she's related to a lot of it, and her father might have had uh, the Hoover name. Okay. But our family owned the Buck 49 Steakhouse on Bourbon Street, and uh, her mom and dad, and then she lived on Broad Street, and right. she grew up and opened this club. But she had she was really the reason we made the Willie DeVille record. Okay. Because Barbara knew Willie, because oh. she had gone to New York and hung out in the whole. She's scene. a rock chick, and she's a scenester, and she's. Uh, and she was up there, and she was. She is the reason that Willie was here. He was playing at the Beat Exchange, and me and Joey Torres and Spencer Livingston. You remember that crazy dude, Spencer no, Livingston? Now, so so he's talking about uh, Willie Beat Deville Exchange. from from uh, yeah. you know Mick Deville the, the yeah the, and the Devilles. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, meet DeVille, and then he became Willie. But Willie, Willie yeah. used to travel with Toots at that time. That was his oh, Toots DeVille. Toots, no, no, Toots. Toots Maytall. Well, yeah. Toots Maytall. Toots right. But Willie, Beat Exchange. But yes. many people came to the Beat Exchange, and that's where we started playing with a group called Autobop. Okay. And a couple of these drum machine groups that were kind of freaky groups. Because people like Snakefinger were playing at the Beat Exchange. Right. And right. The Residents. Uh, and the Residents, yes. Rank and File played there, maybe. Uh, and then the Rave. A lot of crazy groups were coming. That on First the time new- I ever played with Alex Chilton was at the Beat Exchange, oddly enough, for a private party. That's right. You mentioned that. I can remember seeing Alex playing. Oh, no. I remember Alex there screaming and egging Stanley on. Yeah. Stanley, yeah. We're, if we have time, we, we need. That's why we have to keep moving because yeah. we have to get to Stanley, Stanley but, Atkins, right? And the undesirables. Yeah, I saw the, them there. But beyond that, we used to play there, and that's where Willie Deville and everything. So in that moment, I think I had a. Uh, what, what happened was I was I was going out with a, a girl, and she left and went to New York to be a model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And that, you know what that and, means. And, and, like and we had broken up, and but I was destined to go to New York then. You know, How tall and then was when she? I got there, she went to Paris. How tall was she? She's, she was about five ten. She was oh, not, not sweet. Yeah, nice. it was nice. Yeah. And we're still friends to this day. Right. But I ended up with another girl that was much shorter, but we had a, <laughs> had a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and okay. lived at, in uh, in in the village. Okay. And so I, li- I lived with my friend Andy Rosen on uh, off of Bleecker on MacDougal. Not MacDougal, on uh, Thompson. 
for a while, and then I she convinced me to since I was over there a lot to move at one Astor place right off Broadway in a fancy doorman building. You know, sure, this was like a, this was a fifth not? floor walk up, and this oh, other. So then I kind of went, yes. but I moved up there to go to a new school and study music business. Oh, really? Well, that was an excuse, but I just wanted right. to go to New York. Right. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I quit the concrete plant and I moved to New York. And about, and I must have been 25 years old then. Okay. I was making a nice salary. I had a company car and all that stuff. So I, before I left, why I started recording was I was playing in these bands, right? And I was over at Kerry Brown's house. And we were smoking a little weed or something. So you was, knew Carrie way back yeah, then? Oh, yeah. Carrie was from Gretna. And, and oh, okay. Who's Carrie Brown? Carrie Brown is a great drummer. Okay. Um, he currently is, has been playing on, on, I mean, for years, but again, is playing on David Allen Coe's band. Right, right. David what a David Allen crazy Coe thing. is 80 years old or something ridiculous yeah. like that, and he has two years of dates booked. And uh, Carrie, Carrie's a black drummer from the West Bank, and... But he plays in this band that's like everybody has a, a rebel flag on the back of their jacket. Oh, God. <laughs> Plus, here's the other thing. He produced the Gretna Fest for years. Yeah, yeah. I think he's back doing it this well, no, year. No, he took a year off. Okay. And I'm not there this year. We're all mad at the Gretna Fest. The, I'm, I'm actually no there it, this year. There's the, no Italians on the Italian oh, stage. Well, the, okay, well, that's a problem. Well, that's, that's a, a problem. problem, yeah. I mean, what the... Who do they have? What the fuck? Got Irish me. guys? <laughs> no, yeah. that's, no, you can say Well, I love the Lost by you Ramblers, but I mean, they don't even belong on that stage. They're they on the Italian on, stage? Yeah, they belong on the other stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't understand. The French stage? Cajun stage? I think Live uh, Nation is making their commission. It's their last year, so they're booking their acts for the biggest mounts. Oh, okay. Right, right. Well, well, they they have the iguanas are there this year. It's it's been a couple of years since we were there. uh, I I thought it was because Carrie was back and he was just doing us a solid. Okay, well... uh, now, shout out All to right, Carrie so Brown. So what happened? You. You're in New York and yes, you're well, I had, uh, paving I, cement. Well, no, well, let's go no. to Carrie's house. No. This is important. Oh, you're in Carrie's house. Sm- and getting a little buzz. And then I'm looking on the chair and there's this man moping in the chair. Uh-huh. Mighty Sam McLean. Mighty Sam McLean. I said, what are you doing here? He's smoking pot. Yeah. 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 I, he's, I, I'm a singer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a I'm a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Hogging the joint. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I got some songs, man. Wow. So Carrie had a little guitar there. I started playing my songs, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. And I had this song, Pray. Pray. I'm, I had written it at the Beat Exchange because we had the drum machine and the reggae beat. Uh-huh. And, and, and then, uh, I don't know, I just came up with pray and play and everything's going to be okay, say hooray, kind of gospel. So I had this song. It just, I said, I got this song, Pray. And I had another song, Why. Okay. You know. Why Pray. Big <laughs> so, on the one-word title. Huh? Yeah, I was into the one-word title sense. <laughs> it's nice. Very so he said, man, I like that song, Pray. I said, okay. well, so I was getting ready to... We started jamming on it, and I had a little studio time left at, uh, what was that studio that Dickie Bird used to work at? You know Dickie Bird, huh, Richard? I know that name. Oh, yeah, Richard Bird. Like, not Richard CRS. Used, well, I sold to my board. I don't know. It was next to Sound uh, on Bienville Street, next to the music store. The first take. Next so- to uh, Sound City. Yeah. 
Yes. Sound City used to be. Uh, uh, now we're really going back for all you New Orleans, yeah. old time New Orleans musicians that are listening to this. Sound City. The was second the, Sound City. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. wasn't the first Sound City. No, it wasn't. was not the first one. But yeah, when, when Sound City was on uh, Bienville Street, it, in that same. like there's Kind of a, by the Gambit, it, where the Gambit is. Yeah, there, there, there was. In fact, it, it, is the Gambit still there? Or they moved. They moved where Movie Pictures was. Yes, uh, exactly. yes, I think it's that that's exact it. space. Movie Pictures. Yes, I'm not even from here. Yeah, no, thank you, man. <laughs> it's been a lot of things, but it, that's that's the, space. the place we I went remember to. going down there with my band, Natural Progression, my, uh, that my was high school jazz <laughs> band, and meeting with the guy that owned Sound City and talking to him about buying a PA system. Right, right, right. And him giving John us, Jung. Okay, maybe him give probably so. Him giving us the terms of what right. kind of time you know yeah, yeah, yeah. buy a PA system over time. Before Sound City, there was Tippett's music that okay. was over at the old store, and then Gary Edwards bought that, made it is music, I think. Okay, well back I'm to back to that. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Mighty Sam, I, I brought him over there, and I had never heard <laughs> Sam sing before. Uh huh. Okay. So I said, Sam, I have some time. So I'm, I I put this band together, right? Mm-hmm. There was this guy named Blue, this drummer. He played all over the place. I think he went to St. Augustine or something. Okay. I don't know. He was, I think it was uh, on the, uh, Clark Vreeland was there. Clark Vreeland, wow, okay. Clark Vreeland played a keyboard on it. Really pulling all these. I played uh, guitar. I think Chuck Hancock was on the bass. I don't know Chuck Hancock. Chuck Hancock was on the bass. Okay. And then Mighty's in the in the uh, and he's got his tuxedo on because he's got a gig later with Brownsville, okay. Gary Brown's brand. Oh, okay. At the Code Thirty Eight on Basin Street. Wow. And they wear tuxedos for that. And okay. he's got, well, that was all he had was like a. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was either that or pajamas, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was dressed for this gig. So I gave him my lyrics, and so I'm playing, and he's looking at the lyrics. I had never heard him sing. I just mm-hmm. thought knew that he was a singer. I knew nothing about his history that he had sang right. at Muscle Shoals or anything, right? Uh-huh. And so I'm waiting. And he lets loose like this Bobby Blue Bland, little Milton voice. And I'm like, I got Otis Redding in the studio right yeah. now, pretty yeah. much, you know? Mm. And from that moment on, Mighty Sam is the reason I became a producer. Before that, I wanted to be a rock star myself. Okay. <laughs> right. And yeah. I heard well, Mighty Sam sing, like, and I went, oh, Oh, fuck. that's what it takes. No, I don't. They didn't I, name him I Mighty for that. nothing. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. He, and he, but he was, a, he was he, at the time, he was drinking and crazy, and we went up, and no. then I had no idea how to be in the music business. I went to this patent lawyer. I got this contract. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. He signed and this and that. And then, I, and then I moved to New York with these tapes. And then I decided to make some better tapes. And I went to Night Studios and paid like $180 an hour, ridiculous, mm-hmm. and hired. Because I liked the tapes I had, but they just needed to be a little tighter. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to a bigger studio, to that 16-track Night Studio. And AJ was home, and I sent... He did the rhythm tracks, and I took the tapes and sweetened them in New York. Okay. So he went in with the piano with Deacon John, Irvin Charles, and... Uh, yeah, Irvin Charles on bass, great, uh, great New Orleans and Bobby, bass player. And uh, Bobby Williams was a bass player, played with Joe Simon. Hmm, okay. And, and we cut it. With the horn section, Ward Smith and all them guys. Ward Smith, yeah, he's yeah, still playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and and I took I I went took the tapes back to New York and I overdubbed and. Uh, but who mastered them? Oh, come on, Natty. Uh, no, I was going to say... Uh, but what, that, yeah. was, that was the reason that I, I really <laughs> became a producer, Mighty okay. Sam. And then having those tapes, being in New York, and I just did it, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. uh, But the real reason I made the tapes, this is a big thing too, and I went to New York, and my aunt, who lives in California, said... My dad told me, "Oh, you're gonna." I spent two thousand dollars on that night session, mm-hmm. which was a lot of money. I cut why sure, sure. and pray. Okay, and I and I went back to New York with it, and uh, and my aunt sent me this form to fill out uh, for the American Song Festival, and I entered them both, fifteen bucks a song. And I'm in New York, beating the streets with Mighty Sam. No one wants to hear Mighty Sam, but I learned a lot about the record labels and managers and. And I had played with Willie at the time, and Willie was living up there, and, I'd, and, and he'd come over, to, and I had a piano in my apartment, uh-huh. and he'd come make like four-track demos for his songs for, uh-huh. for the Atlantic record. Okay, when you were living in New York. When I was living in okay. New York, and I'm beating the streets with these Mighty Sam tapes, right. and I'm recording Willie DeVille, right? right. That was what happened, two journey. things happened. Yes. AJ applied. He had put a record out before on Orleans Records. AJ Loria? Yes. Okay. With Winton Branford Marcellus' first recording. They were touring Ultrasonic while he was recording a Mardi Gras song for Blaine Kern. So he grabs them and they put an arrangement. They were going to Noka. Right. Their first recording, and they put the horns on Mad Mad okay. Mardi Gras for Blaine Kern. Okay. And then the flip side is If Ever I Cease to Love, okay. AJ Solo. Mm-hmm. So he had the 45, and so he had Orleans Records. So he writes a grant to the Jazz Fest, and they give us 2000 bucks to put a single out on this these tapes because... What happened was I win the American Song Festival. Okay. Excellent. All right. Congratulations. Right about the time I'm about to strangle my girlfriend I'm living with. We don't have any money. So the <laughs> okay. the phone rings. This is like when life speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And it's the girl from the festival. You call well, yeah, you just won the festival. How much did I win? Two thousand dollars. Excellent. Pays for the studio. That's what time. you need. Yeah, yeah right, that's right, exactly right, right. what you need. I was need. getting ready to go home. I was just had it with, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other song, honorable mention. Guess what? Fifty dollars. I made fifty bucks. Okay, that's a half a grand. First profit I ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's a forty and yeah. the cab ride to get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah well, well, well uh, car, so, car, okay, so there he is. There, there's that, what got me that, in that's the business. Your entree. It's, and it's then we very, made the record there, and I made it the in Mighty Brooklyn. Sam, the Mighty, Mighty Sam, Sam record. record. I came back for the World's Fair. I went to Brooklyn, Roma Bomb Record Pressing. We're up to 1984 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I made the record. I'm I brought need it home. a haircut soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I would come home with the record for the World's Fair, Mighty Sam Record. Nice. I now, was here for the World's Fair. Now, do you get a job at the Italian Village in the, in the World's My Fair? My dad had the popcorn concession okay. at the World's Fair, but I didn't get a job with him. No, because my, you know who had uh, a job at the... the, uh, the Italian village Ooh. at the the uh, World's Fair. Who is that? Is the uncle of of the Troubleman podcast physician? Oh, really? And that's oh, Achipente. Charlie Achipente. Yeah, Charlie Achipente. Is, oh, right. Charlie Achipente is a was a drummer in New Orleans, and but he played strolling accordion. Wow! At the in World's the Fair in the Italian village. Now his 
his nephew is the staff physician for the Troubleman podcast. Wow, wow. What a New coincidence. Orleans is a small town. It's a small Very town. One gig at me. the World's Fair. Okay. In front of Sheila's with Mighty Sam and the A.J. Laurie and all of our band playing uh-huh. Prey and all the, you know, we had a little King Nino and his slave girls with Mighty Sam McLean. Okay. I do remember that name. And we would annihilate him with Mighty. Yeah. Why, oh, I'm why sure. Why would come on? No, would no. be like okay. King Okay, World's Fair is done with... When do you release your own music? Oh, damn. We have no, to no, fast forward. No, we're talking about now. So, so, so yeah. we're going to oh, jump fast over. Forward now. Wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me do All this right. in like two minutes, okay? All, right. All this, that, what should have taken this entire podcast. I'm, gonna just, <laughs> I'm just going to do a survey, people. So, uh, you know, you come back, uh, you find Guitar Slim Jr., Guitar Slim's son. Uh, he's friends with Stanley Atkins who I'm friends with from The Undesirables. He introduces me to Guitar Slim Jr. I wind up on that record. That's how you and I meet. Right. We make that record. That record winds up getting nominated for a uh, Modern Blues Grammy. 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 Traditional Grooves Grammy. Tradition. Okay, so it's a... He didn't know what a Grammy was. No, he said, said, I'm a... a, a Grammy nominee. I know. Grammy mama, mama. I'm a Grammy nominee. I did remember you win? saying that. We did not win. We we're, win. we're Grammy nominees. We got more press than Willie Dixon. So, okay. so, so, so then, flash forward uh, a couple of years later, that that germ of uh, of of uh, association with with uh, Willie Deville comes to fruition. Willie comes. I down. showed him the Guitar Slim Junior record, and no one wanted to sign Willie. He had just come off a storybook love. We don't have time for your, uh, your retelling uh, the story. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of a uh, of color commentary from Carlo. Uh, um, so Willie comes down here, and uh, we make a record, Victory Mixture, with Eddie Bow, Doctor John, Alan Toussaint, Alan Toussaint, um, Sammy Perfect on. Leo Nocentelli, George Porter. Uh, Don Rickles. Wayne, uh, Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett. Johnny Vodakovich. Uh, Carrie Brown. Carrie Brown. Me. Uh, Barbara George. Barbara George. On and on and on. We are some of the, I'd say about 40% of the people on that record are still alive. Maybe so, yeah. About. I'm, I was just guessing. Yeah, one less after tonight. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. So, so that's a, a, we, we make a great record. You make a great record. Goes uh, gold in three months in Europe. That's where I meet Jack Nietzsche. I've told the story before. Jack I, Nietzsche's at the session. Yes, he's at the session. You, I, he's introduced to me as Jack. He said, Renee, can you and Jack supervise these uh, right, ELS right. doing uh, background vocals? We yeah, do the whole is. thing later Yvonne on. Yvonne Weiss, the Weiss girls. He's gone, and uh, and y'all are talking about Nietzsche, and I say, oh, Jack Nietzsche, is he showing up? And you're like, yeah, that was Jack. Yeah, it was I was Jack, like, well, fucking, right. why don't you let a guy know? Why don't you let a guy know? <laughs> His anyway. girlfriend was torturing him. Yeah, well, of course. You and said he the de- Spice he Girls? No, no, the ELS. Weiss girls. ELS, they the were. The Weiss girls. Oh, the yeah. Weiss. Yvonne Weiss's oh, daughter. Oh, you said the Spice Girls. Yeah, they still sing. They're out there. Yeah, yeah, no, the great, great singers. So, uh, and then you go on to uh, make other records. Coco Robichaux. Coco Robichaux and Rocky Charles, Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. I was listening to the Rolling Stone record that you made in 92. Before the the Rolling Stones, it was Rolling Stone. (laughs) Yes. So that's all on Orleans Records. The original Rolling Stone. Yes. Yeah. So that's all records you made on on your label. All on Orleans Records. Orleans Records. And your new record is on Orleans. Tell us about your 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 new new record record is my second Yes. Full length. Yes. Called Hungry for Love. Hungry for Love. It features 
lots of great art, uh, sax players. Jerry Jumaville. Jerry Jumaville. Was people. on the Rose and Captain Beefheart and Ringo's record. Played with him Sonday. And 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 he he's the he takes a solo on Tonight's the Night by Rod Stewart. That's Jerry Jumaville. Wow, I didn't even know that. There's yeah. so much Jerry has done. Now now Jerry Jumaville, when he would see me, he'd go, Renee. I love you. Tell you, Daddy, I said hello. You know, we had the same clarinet teacher. So in the old days, guys wouldn't study saxophone. Everybody clarinet. studied clarinet. Oh, they were always. I, I, you know, studied, I was my first instrument. So that was that's so Jerry and my father had this. Um, they're both tenor players, but they both studied. They never took saxophone lessons. They both studied with this clarinet. I can't clarinet. remember the guy's then, name. You know, Pete Fount was famous, and it was a big, big instrument. So yeah, Jerry Jumanville. I keep trying to get him on the podcast. He won't return my phone calls. Oh, he called me three times today. Well, can, can you look? I'm trying to daisy chain my my guests. So can, you can, I'll get him on here, but you got to get him here. You got to go get him. Oh, he's in my lives in my neighborhood. I'll, I'll just I'll, pick him up. I'll pick I'm gonna him tell up him. I'll, I'll put gonna, him in I'm my gonna, car. I'll carry him like I'll a make, baby. I'll make car. him come. Yeah, no, well, no. Uh, um, yeah, no, we, Jerry Jimmyville, because talk about, I, I wanted to get to the New Orleans accent during this, uh, but Jerry Jumanville possesses a great classic, new, like a New Orleans accent like my grandmother sounded like. You know, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, he very exactly New orleans like, like, like very Eighth Ward on the, on the, the, the edge a little of bit. Ninth Ward, you know? You go like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like True. that. You go, yeah. you go, I'm good. But you're better. Okay. <laughs> well, with that, I think we should close up because they're shutting us yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're turning I'm good, the lights off. But I'm us. better. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. So Boy, it's been a gas. Huh? Carlo, thank you. You're you're so uh, you know you haven't held back. I like that. I like that about a yeah. gas. And and w- you know w- we have a, a list of people that that we we have uh, slated to come back for a second a second edition. Yeah, you're, you're one of them. Definitely made the cut. Yeah, you made the cut. All right, so uh, everybody, look for uh, uh, Carlo Ditta and his new record. Look at Hungry for Love. Hungry for Love. Look. Look at OrleansRecords.com. Entire Orleans record catalog. And Manny. Yes. It's been fantastic being oh, with good. you. Oh, good. And uh, I'm not going to see you for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a little break. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, hopefully. It's always uh, a pleasure not to see you. For I know. Hopefully, uh, uh, absence will make the heart grow fine. Yeah. That's what I'm counting on. All right. So, Nation, you know what to do. And uh, in a troubled nation, we'd like to say um, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Yes. Good night. Working all day, all night long Hanging on the telephone Riding with my buddies Trying to see some cutties on What I gotta do Trying to make a name Trying to avoid the fame What can I do I can't help myself
Yeah, I'll pay you back 